0: Randolph and Friends Radio Program. This is the second part of a two part interview with Pastor Manny Alivas.
1: I walked away that night. Walked away. And it was that night, Randy, that my wife and I were, as our car our car overheated because I was racing it. You don't race a four door family sedan. And so um, we were walking on the side of the road, and I just looked over at her and I said, I was guilty. I deserve to go to jail and they forgave me and and I don't understand why but all I know is that God is trying to get our attention and if we don't turn our life to him and ask him what he wants of it I don't think there'll be a third chance and that's what brought us to basically the end of ourselves and I believe that night we gave our life to Jesus Christ and we didn't know it until the next day until someone actually walked us through the gospel and told us who Jesus was and you know what he had done for us and what he wants to do through us uh, but it was it was that was the turning point for our lives and it would be radically different from that point on
0: now I'm going to ask a couple questions real quick and then we're going to get back to the story. There's a judge involved here somewhere because at some point you appeared in front of a judge did you not? yeah tell me about the judge situation
1: well. Obviously, we, we felt that we were off scot-free. I'd been let go. Uh, charges were dropped. And um, what I didn't know was that the police officer that, that we pulled the gun out on, um, he was an officer of a, the neighboring county. And what happened was he found a technicality in the law. Basically, we committed the crime in one county. And as we drove through the highway... We drove into another county where we were arrested. Now, the arresting county, that's not where the crime happened. And so they said, well, we don't want to take on the other county's problems. So they let me go. Well, he figured all this out, and he refiled the charges in the actual county. And so I had an arrest warrant, a felony arrest warrant, that I had no idea about. And I guess I had been standing for about four years. And so when I discovered that I had an arrest warrant... Uh, immediately I I said, I got to take care of this. And so I went to my pastor. I said, do you know anybody? I hired a lawyer, and I turned myself in. Now, when I turned myself in, um, you turn yourself in at midnight, and I I went before the judge the following day, and I stood there. Now I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again believer. um, I want to make things right. I want to be truthful. I don't have anything to hide. And as I'm standing there, and here I am in this orange jumpsuit, you know, I feel feel awful. I'm a Christian. I, I'm, I'm serving as a youth pastor, worship leader, and an associate at a new church plant. And here I am in county you know, jumpsuit. And I stand before him and he reads the charges to me. And he says, um, so how do you plead? And I, I looked at him. I said, I did it. I, I did it. I mean, I don't have anything to hide. And he said, hold on, hold on. He's like, so Are you telling me, are you saying that you are guilty of these crimes? I said, well, I mean, I did it. I'm not going to deny that. He says, before I take your plea, I want to just advise you of something. You have five felony strikes against you. All I need is three to put you away for life. So I'm not telling you that I'm going to put you away for life, but I can. Don't you want a lawyer or something? And I, I didn't really even consider it. And said, so he said, I think I'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't do, but I really think you should get a lawyer. And I looked back at him. I said, well, I can't afford a lawyer. And he rustled through the paperwork. He says, well, it looks to me like you got a well-paying job and there's no reason why you couldn't afford a lawyer. And I said, well, on second thought, maybe I should get a lawyer. He said, all right, I'll give you a couple of days and come back. I said, well, if you're going to give me some time, why don't you just give me a week? He says, all right. Next week, this time, be back here with the lawyer. Now I'm kind of freaking out. I'm like, how do I get a lawyer? And that's when I called my pastor, and that's when I ended up finding a lawyer. And um, long story short, uh, I hired a lawyer, and because so much time had passed, he was able to work it. And obviously, God is working through all of this, you know? And he was able to work it to where he was able to drop all five charges and get me one misdemeanor disturbing the peace $500 fine, one year unsupervised probation, case closed. Wow. Miracle. Absolute miracle.
0: You remember where you said you and Carrie were walking down the road, and you said, I don't want to destroy my family? What did you have in your background that even caused you to turn to the Lord? Had you ever gone to church? Did anybody ever share with you the good news of, of your salvation? I mean, what was it that caused you to say, I know where to turn to, I know where the truth is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go there? How did you even know how to do that?
1: You know, I often say that I grew up with no religious affiliation whatsoever. And that's mostly true. Um, I had family members, I had an uncle on one side who was an ordained pastor, I had an uncle on another side who was an ordained pastor and you know, these guys would try to take me to church when I was young. Um, right before I started using drugs, right about the time my mom and dad got separated, uh, my uncle invited me to a home Bible study, and I went. It's like, sure, why not? I'm bored. You know, I was working with him, and he was paying me twenty bucks a day, um, and so I said, sure, why not? And so I went with him. And um, after the Bible study, he challenged me. He said, if you read the Bible, cover to cover, I'll buy you anything you want. Now that, I couldn't think, you know, very big back then. But um, I was like, all right, cool. You know, I have this bike in mind. And, you know, if I read the whole Bible, he'll buy it for me. And so I started reading the entire Bible. I started in Genesis, read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, made it to Deuteronomy and called it quits. You know, it was just, it was too hard for me. I was reading out of a old King James or something like that. Um, But then I started going to church with him, and it was one of these Pentecostal churches, you know, very lively, upbeat music, everybody's dancing and happy, and I went to church with him. And uh, these services were so long. They were like three hours long. They were so long that they actually served lunch so that you could be fed. Anyways, at one of these church services, I was sitting there, and uh, the preacher, he said, uh, if you died today, would you like to know that you could be in heaven? And I sat there and I was like, man, thought that before. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know how to be in heaven. And so the um, pastor said, well, um, pray this prayer after me. And so he went on and he said, pray this prayer. And I prayed it. And he says, okay, now if you prayed that prayer, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to come up to the altar. And so it's one of those altar calls. And so I went up to the altar and I I kneeled before the altar and, uh, a group of pastors came and they laid hands on me. Wow. And I was like, oh, man, that that's powerful stuff. Wow. And so the, the next part is what threw me for a loop. The next part is they said, okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to pray that you receive the gift and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't know what that meant. All I knew is that this was the next step. And so um, I was still there kneeling at the altar and Another group of guys came and they, they started praying over me. They were praying in tongues and they were pressing my forehead really hard. And they were they were saying, you know, give this young man the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things they said to look for, um, to be certain, is that you yourself would speak in tongues. And um, I'm sitting there and they're shaking me and they're praying and it's getting louder and nothing is happening. And I'm not speaking in tongues. And I, I kid you not. I walked away that day and I said, well, I guess God doesn't want me. I guess it didn't work. And I, and it was that following week where my friend approached me. He said, hey, you want to get high? And I said, I don't even know what that means, but sure, let's give it a shot. And it was that following week I gave I gave myself over to drugs. But I really feel, hindsight, that I really did give my life to the Lord when I was 13. And I just, I never followed through, never was discipled, never
0: grew in my walk with the Lord. And so I basically was a backsliding Christian mm-hmm. all of those years. You know, one of the things I, I want to share with those who are listening, and I want to get back to, to the Navy and then the, their whole topic of forgiveness here. But I think I'll, so much of this is just about how God never, ever gives up on us. Uh, for those who are listening, um, you know where, where Manny just said, "Hey, I, I didn't make it, or I couldn't make it." Um, I if you're whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, here's what I I want to share with you: the true sovereign God of the universe, your Creator, the, the the Lord that made everything, who loves you. It's never been about us earning His love. It's always been about Him loving us before we even knew who He was. It's, and for those who are listening, it's it, it, the, the faith is not, well, I have to earn it or I have to be good enough for him to recognize me and want me. It's, it's completely the opposite of that. We cannot earn it, and God doesn't want us to earn it. What he wants you to know if you're listening, he loves you just the way you are. He's always loved you just the way you are. He wants a relationship with you because he loves you so much, more than we can even know or appreciate this side of heaven. So when you hear what Manny talks about, um, I know there's a lot of you listening who think, I've been to church, they're hypocrites, Um, every person I know who is a Christian treats me mean, people tell me they love me, I just get hurt, I don't want anything to do with it, and you know what, I don't blame you. But none of that is a true reflection of the Lord of the universe who does love you. You, you're, you're not, and you were never intended to have to earn it. It's a free gift. He's giving it to you because he's the king of everything, and he just loves you for you. So remember that. That's right. And so, Manny, um, okay, I want to talk about the Navy for a second, and then I want to start going through the history of forgiveness, and I want I want to share some. And remember, as we're talking right now, we're leading up to what this conversation is about. But I want you to think about this. We haven't really focused much yet on forgiveness. Mays talked about it a little bit and really what that means, but here's what I want you to be thinking about. Look at his life right now. He gets rescued from going to prison for life by a judge who didn't have to say anything to him. He gets rescued from dying by crashing his car either into a CHP vehicle or whatever else it might be. He gets rescued from um reckless behavior because there's very likely that Manny may have used that gun, even though he brandished it. Who knows? He could have shot somebody, and then it would have been so much worse. He finds a woman in high school who's still with him today, the mother of his children, loves him and helps him do what he's doing today. And he's sitting here with me right now telling you all about hope and victory and He leads a church that's a wonderful body and contributing to to society. Um, The Navy is an incredible story. Um, I want to touch on that for a minute, and then we're going to get right into this whole forgiveness thing and how um, you were able to do that. The Navy. You get into the Navy, and then an incident occurs while you're in the Navy. Now, you were stationed in what, Fallon, Nevada? Yeah, that's... um... It's about sixty miles east of Reno. Okay, so you're in Nevada, even though it's the Navy, <laughs> you're in the <laughs> middle of the desert. But you were were you an ordnance uh, person?
1: Yeah, I was an aviation ordnance man, and uh, the reason why Fallon, the Navy station, is out in Fallon, Nevada, is because um, that's where they have Top Gun. That's where they train their pilots, and so it makes sense for them to go out into the desert and practice bombing out there. Okay, and so that's what I did. Is I assembled
0: bombs, ammunition, missiles, and all of that stuff. so while you're there in Fallon, um, an incident happened at your home with I think one of your family members, right? That's right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, um,
1: it's no secret that you know my family was you know around drugs, and that was kind of a norm. So just to give you the the, the brief scenario of what happened, um, so my mom had been living in Reno. At the time, then she ended up moving to Fallon with us. Uh, my mom had hooked up with this guy who was just a bad, bad guy. Uh, he used to make his own meth, and so uh, she ended up taking the fall for him on on one of the raids. And so she was on probation. Um, well, she had a job working at the Navy base, working at the Navy Exchange. She worked uh, in the supply house. Uh well some equipment had gone missing and they immediately pinned it on her because here you have the the uh, felon and so they wanted to search her goods. And so they went to her house where she was staying and she wasn't there. She happened to be babysitting for us that night. And so the police officers which had local jurisdiction uh over the navy base uh they came they came to our house. Uh, and they started searching all of my electronic equipment for serial numbers to see if any of it was stolen. While they were searching the house, uh, they ended up finding a small bag of weed that was tucked away in one of the bedrooms. Now I had my my younger brothers living with me at the time, and I had the philosophy um, that some people do. Obviously, this this one uh, uh, got the better of me, but the philosophy basically was: uh, if you're going to do drugs, do it in my presence, not away from me. Uh, that's what my mom did with me, and so that's what I did with my siblings. Um, problem is, Navy has a zero tolerance with regards to drugs. So they found the drugs. Uh, as they continued to probe around my home, they found uh, the tail fin of, of one of those bombs. They found a, a little practice bomb. Uh, they found some other weapons. I had rifles. I had handguns. And because all of this combined, and then they found writings with gang symbols on it. And so they just basically put a big package together and said, you are a gang member and we are going to prosecute you. And um, even though I explained to them the scenario, even though I explained to them that I had permission to take this government um, property uh, to my house, they, they, they weren't having it. I was told at one point, literally, um, we are going to make an example out of you. And, and that really scared me because I knew that no matter what I did, uh, it was already a done deal. Now,
0: you had been in the Navy for six years? Four well, years. Four years before this happened. Four so years. ultimately what happens is the Navy discharges you, right? They, they discharge me. And it was for less than honorable discharge? Uh, it's an other than honorable discharge. So you get discharged. And at some point in the last couple of years, um, you petitioned the Navy to hear your story again. And really asked for clemency. That's right. Right? That's right. And, um, you know,
1: what the Navy offers, and this is what I was told initially, you know, no matter what the discharge is, you can always request that it be upgraded later. Now, there's a lot of information they don't tell you beforehand. Obviously, what they want to see is that there is life change. Right. And so my life hadn't changed initially when I first got out. So there was nothing to boast about. And so I had to let time pass. And, you know, I figured after becoming the pastor of a church and doing community service and serving my area where I live in, that that would be enough. And, you know, obviously with your help, we went up there and we stood before that Navy board, presented our
0: case, and they heard it out. For those who are listening, I'll just summarize this for you because I want to get to the forgiveness thing. Um, Manny and I went to Washington, D.C., and we went in front of the Navy Appeal Board and uh, there were five men in that room, I believe, from the different branches, a couple Marines, I think, some some Navy people. But they were all Christians. And uh, we get in there, and they look at me, and they go, who are you and why are you here? And uh, I just explained that I was Manny's friend, and I wanted to be there to, to as a character witness, basically. But what I told them was, um, I know that people come in here, and they probably tell you everything under the sun, thinking that you're a fool. We know, and we respect you. We had no idea what their belief system was. And we just, uh, I just told him as sincerely as I could, that I've known Manny for a long time and I think he's the real deal. I think he deserves a second chance. Uh, Manny told his, uh, story. And by the time we were done, I think we were there for what, two hours. Yeah. Uh, the board was teary eyed and, and, and they, um, said, we're not going to tell you what we're going to do, but, uh. We appreciate what you said. and Ultimately, they they did upgrade his discharge, and because of that, Manny was able to get full veterans benefits, and ultimately was able to buy a home, which we just recently which just purchased. happened in the last couple of weeks. So, for That's those right. who are listening, here's what I want you to think about: If I was going to do a summary of what we've what we've talked about so far, here's a kid from Salinas; he's Hispanic. Everything's going against them: drugs, alcohol, guns. Poverty, you name it, it's against him. But God's walking with him the whole time. He has has the risk of going to jail. The judge sets him free. He gets an attorney. The attorney gets him out. He has uh, death experiences in the cars and in jail. He gets out. He gets in the Navy. gets in trouble. (laughs) He gets out. It doesn't always work this way in real life. The Lord, I think, has anointed you, Manny, to do some really good things as a pastor and with your life. But what I want to share with those who are listening is God is always with you. There are so many times where you think, I'm just walking this thing alone. I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to survive this. And sometimes you don't. But many times, and with the Lord's blessing, you can get through it. And there is hope. And I want to say to you, listen now to how Manny talks about the other side of forgiveness. So talk to us about forgiveness, Manny. Tell us how you were able, you said earlier, hey, I hated my mom. And then your father. Tell us a little bit about what forgiveness is and and how you, why why was it that you even thought about extending forgiveness? Well,
1: I I got this uh, definition out of the uh, Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Um, for forgiveness it's a term used to indicate pardon for a fault or offense, to excuse from payment for a debt owed. Now, I guess you know we had to go through all of these incidents and stories and all these things that I went through because you know initially, here I have a a broken household, a broken family i'm angry at my mom I'm angry at my father. Um, I, I hate my life, yet God is taking me through an entirely different track to teach me what forgiveness really looks like for myself. And as he does that, and as I experience forgiveness firsthand, not only from the judge, not only from the higher patrol officer, not only from my wife, who who should have left me for being you know the bonehead that I was all those years, um, I'm starting to experience forgiveness myself. Now that I've experienced forgiveness, I think that I could dole it out. I can, I can give it to somebody. And I didn't know that that's how God was operating, but that's exactly what He did. And so I'm learning how to forgive. Uh, because many times we think, well, I've got to work this one scenario out. So if we have a problem with our father, so to speak, and we think that we have to learn how to forgive them through acts uh, directly with them. Sometimes God will take us through an entirely different set of circumstances, unrelated, to teach us how to forgive, and then he'll bring us right back so that we can forgive. And that's where this comes in. Now, my mom I had forgiven um, early on uh, before I got into the Navy. And the reason why that happened is because uh, she told me why uh, she kicked my father out. She told me about the drugs, the abuse, Uh, the infidelity, and so it was basically me apologizing for treating her so bad all those years. Um, But now my resentment has been changed from my mom over to my dad. Now I'm kind of, you know, bitter towards him. And uh, now I've got to muster up forgiveness for him. Now I'm a Christian, and I figure, well, the best way I can do that is to lead him to Christ. And so I'm not even concerned with trying to forgive him. I want him to receive Jesus. But he ain't, he ain't down with it. He's not having it. Uh, I tried to share with him on a couple occasions, and he just, he wasn't he wasn't going to hear me out. Um, I think, I don't know the dates exactly, but probably in his early 50s, he finally quit using heroin, but the medical community puts you on an alternative, methadone. And so he was on methadone and, you know, drinking a lot of alcohol at the time, and he was in the hospital one day for a ruptured ulcer. I don't know how serious it was, but... You know, I went there. I was called by his girlfriend to come pray over him. Uh, she knew that I was a Christian. So I went over there to pray for him, Carrie and I. And um, as I'm there in the hospital, my dad's laying there. He's he's sick. He's not moving. He's totally out of it. And um, uh, my dad's girlfriend looks at me and she says, Read him something, you know, do something. <laughs> I'm a brand new Christian. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. And so she hands me a Bible and I'm I'm, th- I'm thumbing through the pages and I start reading out of the Psalms figure this is a good place I'm not even one verse into what I was reading my dad shuts me down he says no 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 I don't want to hear that I I I don't need that and I was just surprised I was shocked I was actually kind of hurt because I went to go pray for him and here he is lifeless looks to me like he's dying and he's rejecting my, my love, my, my extension of wanting to help him. And so I was just like, whatever, you know, I'm a hard guy anyways. And so I got over it. And so time would pass and I just kind of moved on with my life. But this is what happened, Randy. Um, I remember probably three years later, I was at my grandmother's house. That's where he lives. And there was a barbecue. We're all hanging out as a family my dad's sitting there in the porch and he's looking at me and he's like, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm just really impressed with how you turned out. And my dad is, is old school kind of Mexican guy. You know, he has a really thick, like homeboy accent. Uh, he talks in slang. He is, he looks like a cholo. If you can <laughs> vision one, you know, that's what he looks like. And as and through that, he's trying to express how he feels towards me without using all those words. Like, I love you. Exactly. And so he's like, I'm impressed, and you really have done well for yourself, and I'm I'm really proud of you, son, and stuff like that. And so, you know, I'm just kind of taking it in. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's God has been good and stuff like that. And so uh, a few more years had passed, probably about eight more years, approximately. And uh, we had been living in Thousand Oaks for a couple years. And he actually came down to visit us for Father's Day. And, um, you know, we're barbecuing outside and he's looking at our place. And and we just start talking about the past. He did. And he starts telling me, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry I did this. I'm really sorry I did that. And he starts listing off all the things that he did, dating back to when I was a kid. And I remember distinctly looking at him, and I cut him off. I said, Dad, stop. Stop. I said, you know what? I said, let me tell you something, all right, if you if you give me the chance to tell you. And I said, there's a guy by the name of Joseph in the Bible. I said, this guy got a bum rap. You know, his family was dysfunctioned, and he ended up getting sold as a slave to, into Egypt. And I said, his life was pretty messed up. And I said, you know, from the time that he was sold as a slave throughout most of his years, he, he basically went through hell. And, you know, he could have went and blamed his father for not protecting him or blamed his father for not providing And I said, he could have done that, but he didn't. I said, you know what he did? I said, he said something so profound, and I said, it stuck with me, and it's, it's my life verse in a sense. And I said, at the end of Joseph's life, after God had restored him and God had used him to speak prophecy to Pharaoh and made him the second most powerful man in all of the world. Um, And he was responsible directly for saving millions and millions of lives because he was able to interpret a dream. I said, um, as, as Joseph looked at his brothers and he looked at his father and as he contemplated his past, Joseph said something. And I'm telling my dad this. My dad is just listening. He's soaking it in. He's not shutting me down this time, you know? And, um, you know, it's like I have this verse memorized. Joseph looked at his family. He looked at his brothers, and he said, what was meant for evil, God meant for good. He meant it for good. I said, Dad, it doesn't matter what happened. I said, what matters is what happened as a result of that and i said look at who i am today look at look at what god has given me he's made me a pastor of a church i have a beautiful family and i said and here you are getting to enjoy this moment with me and he just reached over and he gave me a hug and he he's like he's like thank you thank you and that was it and you know what was really cool is that was a father's day the following week i had the opportunity to preach because I wasn't the pastor at the time, and I had opportunity to preach, and it was Father's Day. And I shared that exact story with the congregation. It has been the most moving story I've ever shared from the pulpit to date, because it was a story of reconciliation. And what I said to the congregation, and what I'll say to you, to the listening audience right now, is in so many words, in so many words, going back to that day when I was talking with my father on the porch, My dad was so prideful, he wasn't able to say this, but I knew exactly what he meant. He was looking at me and he was saying, I'm not proud of you. He was saying, I want to be like you. Here, the roles had reversed. And instead of me looking up to my father as an example, my father was looking up to me as an example. You talk about redemption. You talk about tables turning. You talk about God using something and totally rocking the the entire scenario and and i want I want to just read this verse if I could. please, yes, because um he says something that really is it, it's profound, especially in light of what we're, th- we're talking about in Genesis chapter fifty, he says, "Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father." And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. This is, this is Joseph's father asking for forgiveness for his brothers. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for I am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And you talk about how there is such power in the ability to forgive. But if we don't have the power to forgive, we can never forgive. And the only way we can get that power is through Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives us that ability. There's no amount of seminars, there's no amount of counseling, there's no amount of uh, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and getting in there and issuing forgiveness. It's something that we cannot do unless it's given to us. And the only way it's given to us is if we are the recipients of that type of forgiveness. And, and God says it, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And when He gave His Son, He gave everything that comes with it. love, forgiveness power, strength, humility, so that we can, in fact, forgive others.
0: You know, I just am so happy to hear those words from you because I, you know, for those who are listening, I just pray right now that you would be filled with the Spirit of God and you would be anointed with the freedom to forgive. When you forgive, you're forgiving yourself first. You're loving yourself first. You're freeing yourself from the bondage of hate or the burden of uh, rejection or whatever it might be that causes you all of that turmoil inside. And I pray right now you would have the ability to just release all of that and reconcile with whomever it is that you hold something against to the extent it's possible and to receive the forgiveness that the Lord has for you and for others and to share it. Um, it is hard to forgive. It's not always easy. Manny, your situation with your dad, I I feel that that was uh, a God God appointment because uh, I don't think you had any idea your dad was going to do that, right, at the barbecue? That just happened spontaneously, right? It was very
1: spontaneous. I had no idea. And um, honestly, I just wanted to enjoy a moment with him barbecuing. All I wanted to do, honestly, that day is I wanted to cook for him. That's it. And then he started to pour out his heart, and it would just it just happened.
0: You know, for those who are listening, so much of the time in our minds we th- we feel like I have to um, put together some type of special moment in order for forgiveness to occur. And I would say to you, prepare your heart to receive God's love. Prepare your heart to give freedom of forgiveness, and it'll happen when it's supposed to. Don't be afraid to just give in to. Um, a spirit of reconciliation that God has for you. Um, is your dad still alive today, Manny? He is. How's your relationship with your dad today? It's good. I mean, we don't talk very, very often,
1: but as often as I can, I do uh, try to connect with him. Saw him a couple weeks ago and hung out. And, you know, it's just, it's neat when we get to interact. And so every chance I get, I try to go up there. Uh, he has a birthday coming up. And so definitely be calling him. And, How old will he be? Oh
0: man. Uh, Let's see. I want to say uh, 59 or 60. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's still pretty young. Yeah. He's pretty young. Did your father ever come to a place where he um, can hear the words of God or is he open to to receiving who Christ is or is he still, uh, he's like, I respect you for your thoughts, but I'm not going there right now. You know, (laughs) he's a tough cookie, man.
1: Um, I can talk to him about the things of God. He always asked me, always asked how the church is doing. He asked how I'm doing. Um, His sister is married to a pastor. And um, I was talking with them one day, and uh, she said, oh, by the way, I just want you to know that your father received Christ. We were able to pray with him. He understood what he was doing. He understood who he was inviting to his heart. And uh, I thought you would be really blessed by that. And I said, you have no idea. I said, because I've been trying and praying for years, and it's just really neat to know that um, His name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Wow. Yeah.
0: For, uh, before we break uh, for today, um, share with the people who are listening what forgiveness means to you, and give them your thoughts about how they can receive the gift of forgiveness and also give it away. I think the best
1: way to describe forgiveness is imagine being shackled and someone giving you a key. Forgiveness is you taking that key, removing the shackles and being set free because the only person that's in bondage because of that is you. And you can live. You can move on with your life. You can experience love. You can enjoy things. Uh, as long as there's unforgiveness in your heart, it's it's a dead weight that holds you back from truly enjoying life as it was meant to be enjoyed. Jesus said something. He said, um, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And when we harbor unforgiveness, we're not enjoying that abundant life. And so what I would say to anybody out there that is struggling with unforgiveness is resolve it. Resolve it quickly. Um, the Bible says that we forgive because we have been forgiven. And it's almost, it's almost a requirement in order to receive forgiveness of God that we, we be willing to dish it out. And so understand that uh, when I say forgiveness from God, what I mean is, is that we all have a sin debt. Um, there is no one righteous, the Bible says. No, not one. There is nobody that is perfect. Um, we are born with this condition, Unfortunately. Uh, But fortunately, there's a way to be set free from this condition. Uh, The Bible says that if we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He died for our sin and that He rose again, um, that we shall be saved. And saved means saved from the the debt of sin, uh, saved from uh, sin that had been committed against us, uh, set free from the damage of sin. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, Uh, We are moving past all the the problems that were a result of sin and uh, living life and enjoying life in Christ. Uh, It's not a religion, Uh, though some call it a religion. It genuinely is a relationship, a personal relationship with God that you work out. He's real, he's living, he's powerful, and he wants to take a hold of your heart.
0: Beautiful. I'm going to leave us with this. Uh, Bible also says, those who are forgiven much, love much. And that's my hope for all of you. Well, thank you, Manny, for joining me today, and thank all of you for listening in. Thank you for
1: having me.
0: Thanks for listening to T. Randolph and Friends write to us or check out our website blog and conversations at trandolphandfriends.com we would love to hear your thoughts on topics and guest ideas for future shows we are listening to life